0: Hi, everyone again, my name is Tony and i 'm the lead pastor here at Gateway. Uh, you know when I did my welcome i didn 't mention if you 're newer or you 've been here before and you 've not really connected you 're looking for a church there should be in your front pew there or it's pew it 's a seat, but uh, a card, a welcome card you could fill that out for us and drop that in We get you on our mailing list and we send out emails and and uh, connect with you um, about what 's happening in the church we 'd love to do that and uh that so welcome and those of you online welcome uh glad that you've joined us today i know there's a lot that do watch online uh shouting out to all of you you matter to god therefore you matter to us and i'm so happy that you can connect that way today today is week two of a three-week series called jumping in um Yeah, don't we wish we could do that today, right? Probably not, because it's like 45 degrees and raining outside, but we wish we could. But Jumping In is a series about the importance and the necessity of relationships, of deep relationships, and how discipleship is about relationships. Um, Let me start by just saying a statement that I think is true, because it's true of me, and if it's true of me, it's probably true of you. We all want to be known for something and so you are like no I don't want to be known for nothing well I don't know about that we all want to be known for something so I got this cute little video uh, you know it's, it's longer than I wanted it but it goes from a child to somebody in their 70's they, I think they say it's like 7 to 75 of people who are talking about what they want to be known for watch what do you want to be remembered for I want people to say that I look pretty. I'm a nice person. I don't know. Well, I don't want to brag that they think I'm famous, but I do want them to think that I'm their friend. Uh-huh. A very famous person, like the richest person in the world. An actor and a singer. A successful businessman and actor. A good friend, and sister, and daughter. The next David Copperfield. As someone who changed the world, or someone who made a big difference in a big way. Uh, someone who breaks out of the mold, who's the first at being something. I want to change the world. For always being me, and not what somebody else wanted me to be. I would like to break down barriers for women. I don't really care. Somebody that brought a smile to other people's faces when I was alive. I think that's so important, when you. Need Someone in brightens your day. I, I like that. I want to be remembered as someone who's loving, caring, and uses her art form to give back to the community for m- making people laugh. Someone who had something to say. I'd like to be remembered as someone who completely altered the course of history. I want to be remembered for how hardworking I am. I work my butt off <laughs> every single day. Writing powerful songs. A hard worker, someone who cares about people and enjoys life. Probably that I just made an impact on the people that were, was, were close to me. Making a difference in the world of show business. Just making some contribution that people go, oh yeah, I wouldn't have happened without him. I want to be remembered for some kind of creative expression that I do. I would like to be remembered as fun and quirky and curious. The art that I've created, videos, music, stand-up. Being happy. Somebody who thought about others first and did my best to take care of people when I could. Making people laugh. That I was willing to help and inspire a lot of people. What I do, just being a good God-fearing person, all-around nice guy who would, you know, do things for for you if you need help. I feel like men think more about leaving a legacy. They're all worried about dying. <laughs> An Academy Award-winning actress, a Grammy Award-winning singer, and a Tony Award-winning uh, actress. Doing. Some kind of good in the world, some kind of change. For listening to my friends a lot and uh, just caring about other people. For being kind and intelligent. My heart and my mind. My integrity and how I treated others. My love and laughter and my presence and my contagious smile. That's what I like to say. I guess I want to be remembered for being a good mom. A good father. Being a good man. Being the kind of mother that the kids will take your call. by wit and sense of humor. Changing the world in some small way. That I, that I had brought in some indirect way goodness to the world. Being a good dad and a good husband. Or maybe helping other people out. I'm a professor of mathematics right now. I've taught for 25 years. If you put all of my students, if you added up all my students and, and invited them, I could fill up Madison Square Garden with all my students. That's my legacy. Being someone that you could count on and someone who was reliable and a, and a good person to know. The undying love I have for my friends. A decent human being, probably. A good person. He was a good man. Helping others. Having made a, a difference in someone's life. A good mother, a good grandmother, a hard worker... And a good example for people working past 65. Being a kind person. A person that uh, helped uh, uh, other people and uh, was kind. Being a decent, honest person. Good guy. Uh, A loving father and husband. For being fun. For living every day. For pursuing my goals for being who i am that i made an impact on someone's life that i that i gave good advice that i accepted good advice kind and helpful i know it was long but i didn't want to be age discriminatory right did you all notice i started very young and as they moved through they went from young to old and did you notice how some of the things people wanted to be known for changed? They changed as they got older. So what do you want to be known for? What are some of the when you think of you, what are some of the things that you want to be what are the adjectives that you want to be known for? Famous, smart, good, kind, helpful, impactful, fair, just. These are all things that when we think of ourselves, we think these are things that we want to be known for. What do I want to be known for? <laughs> I'm not telling you. I don't know if this is a safe place, right? I don't want to tell you because I might say I want to be known for something and those of you that really know me be like, yeah, you're nothing like that. <laughs> you all scare me. You can't handle the truth. That's what I want to say to you. Me, I think I want to be known as someone who studied and was smart and thoughtful. Somebody that was helpful. Somebody that was impactful. That I made an impact on somebody's life or an organization's life. I want to be a great father and a husband, a great pastor, a great friend. Let me ask you this. What do you do when you don't measure up to that? What do you do when your image of you doesn't quite match the reality of you? You all know what I'm talking about. We all have these ideas, these things we want to be known for, and there seems to be this gap, And so what do you do when your image or your thought of who you ought to be doesn't quite yet match who you really are or the disappointment or the regrets of who you are? We all have them. You want to know what I do? This is really great. It's very deep and spiritual. You ready? I manage my identity. I know it wasn't. I manage my image. I manage it. I pretend. I make excuses. I try harder to be something that I'm really not. And I portray to the world my image of who I want to be, even though I'm not quite there yet. When I feel like I don't measure up, I manage that. And that makes me imaginary. It's not the real me. When I feel like I don't measure up and I manage that, I become imaginary. I become unauthentic. I become fake. I become a person who fakes it till I think I'm going to make it. And I don't think I'm alone here. I got a really deep gut feeling that we're all in this same boat together. That we all have this idea, this image, this what we want to be known for versus the reality of who we really are. We want genuine friendship. We want genuine deep relationships. But that becomes something impossible because we aren't genuine we want to be the best parent but instead we pretend our way through it we feel the pressure to get it together we feel the pressure to be on top of it and every day reminds us that we're not why can't i be like her or him right and we surf facebook and we surf instagram and we see these wonderful pictures well i'm just going to tell you these things on instagram and social media are what people want to be known for it may not necessarily be who they are but we feel that pressure to be better but here's the real problem with pretending here's the real problem with faking it till you make it Here's the real problem with that. If I simply go into this pretending mode and I simply pretend to be something that I'm not, here's what happens. I actually stop growing. Fake it till you make it doesn't work. As a matter of fact, when you fake it, you never make it because you never face the reality of who you are. You never face the reality of who you're not. You never face the reality of the fact that there is growth that needs to happen and all we're doing is spending our time pretending. And so we, when my lifestyle and my marriage and my friendship and my faith veers from what I present it to be, I feel this incredible pressure to pretend. Pretend. So we have these gaps, G-A-P-S, gaps. What gaps? The gaps that I'm talking about is the space between what and who you want to be known for and who and what you really are. The gaps, not everyone sees them, but we know that they're there, right? In our heart, in our conscience, in our mind, we know the gaps exist, And we're tempted to pretend, to cover up, to hide our shortcomings to be something that we're not. And you want to know where we pretend the best? Church. Seriously. It's easy to be the real me out there, but you know, for some reason we've bought onto this idea that church is just simply about being good and being some level in spirituality and the best place that we learn to pretend is church because we see people who've walked with the Lord for 40 years and how their life is and we've walked with the Lord for three years and how our life is and it's like there's this huge gap and it's like but we're supposed to be like them and And there's all this stuff going on and comparing and people, you got to check off some list and you got to be some level. And so what happens is we gather a group of people who begin to pretend and be something they're not and they clam up because I can't tell anyone what's really going on in my life because then they'll judge me or they won't like me. We pretend because if people knew what I was really like, they wouldn't accept me. And we think that the most in the church. And the truth is this. If people don't know, it's supposed to be no, if people don't know the real you, then guess what? They don't really like the real you because they don't know you. They only like what they see on Facebook or Instagram. It is hard to get to where you want to be, to get to what you want to be known for, if you don't embrace who you really are today. We all want to be known for something, but what we really need is not to be known for something. What we really need is to be known by someone. It's not so important that I've achieved or arrived at some image or idea that I, who I am. It's good to have dreams. It's good to be, want to have some adjective to be a great father, a great uh, husband, a great friend, a kind person. Those are all great things. But to get there, we don't fake it till we make it. No. Instead, we become known by someone. Pretending takes too much energy and it hurts our soul having deep authentic honest relationships is where i can drop the pretense the manufactured cool the false courage without fear of criticism and judgment and simply be in an environment that i can be honest and true and guess what that heals the soul It heals you. It heals me. Look at what James, the brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 5. James was a pastor and he's talking to his congregants in the first church in Jerusalem back in the first century. And James says this in James chapter 5, verse 16 Therefore, confess your sins to each other but I thought I only had to confess to God. Isn't it enough to just confess to God? It's okay if I tell God who, what's really going on in my life. I don't want to tell other people, but that's not what James says. He says, if you have sin in your heart, confess those sins to each other and pray for each other so that, listen, you may be, say it with me, healed. healed. Confession literally means, in the original language, to say the same thing. That's what it means. To confess something is to say the same thing. The same thing about what? To say the same thing about my sin and the position and the, the, the situation that I'm in, the same as God would say about it. That's what it means to confess. To not have pretense, to not have false identity, to not fake it till I make it, but to confess, to say the same thing that God would say about me. And here's the kicker, not to God, but to each other. And this might be the most difficult thing about being a Jesus follower. This might be the most difficult thing about being in the church, but it's also the most healing thing that we can do as a Jesus follower. When I did my master's work, I had to read a little book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called Life Together. And it's a book on community. It's a book on the Christian community. And here's something out of his confession chapter that he wrote about confession amongst the believers. Bonhoeffer says, "...in confession..." the breakthrough to community takes place. Did you hear that? He's saying it's not through showing up at church, it's not through just being here, but the true breakthrough to community happens in confession. Sin, listen, sin demands a man and a woman. Sin demands to have a man or woman by himself or herself it withdraws from the community (laughs) it wants you to pretend it wants you to fake it it wants you to be something you're really not it withdraws him or her from the community the more isolated a person is the more destructive will be the power of sin over him or her and the more deeply he becomes involved in the community it the more disastrous is his isolation. Sorry, I said that wrong. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the sin, the more disastrous his isolation. Sin wants to remain, and say it with me, unknown. It's not so much what you're known for, but that you're known by somebody. Because it gives you an environment of opportunity to confess, to be real, to be honest, to be true to yourself. Another pastor wrote it this way in Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. I laughed this morning. I said, I haven't seen somebody in a while. I think I'm going to get my spurs out and ride them a little hard, right? And the person who knows them the best said, use mine, they're harder. let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together oh this is a community passage as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching to spur means to urge them strongly to what to love and good deeds perfect love casts out all fear when you are in a relationship that you are perfectly loved all fear of being who you really want to be is cast out who you need to be is cast out when you're in that kind of a relationship that you can be open and honest about who you are and what you need and where you want to be then love happens The pastor, again in verse 25, is emphasizing the importance of community. The importance of a deeper relationship where we can encourage one another, encourage one another to become who God has called us to be. And then you got Pastor Paul, who planted a lot of churches, and he had a lot to say about this, but one case in Galatians, he says this, Brothers and sisters... If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Now listen, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If that's not our goal, to bring glory to God in our life and to fulfill the law of God... What is that law? To love God with my whole heart and to love one another as I love myself. That's the law of Christ. To love. If I carry one another's burdens, I am fulfilling that law. Paul drives this point home well. That restoration and fulfillment of the law of Christ is a we endeavor not a me endeavor a we w e endeavor sometimes we get caught up in this idea in the church especially in our western idea of faith and all that that i don't need anyone else it's just me and god and that's not true You cannot become who you are supposed to be. You cannot be perfected in the fire of the Spirit that wants to perfect you and make you holy, make you like Jesus without the community, without deep relationships, without an opportunity and a place that is open for you to be real with people. Carry one another's burdens. Paul is saying we need The community, the community, authentic community, where we are known by someone because it is a healing, restorative thing as we engage with one another. Meaningful relationships is a core value of this church. Not to just have Facebook friends, not to just have Instagram followers, and I say that with some allegory, as an analogy, Not to just be known by people, but to truly be in a meaningful relationship with someone. You can't be in a meaningful relationship with everyone, but you should be in a meaningful relationship with someone. Paul goes on in Romans 15, another place he says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to god did you know that god accepted you the way that you were (laughs) remember what you were before jesus i remember how some of you were i won't go there i remember how i was I mean, the fact is, some of you were just dirty, rotten scoundrels. You were lying. You were cheating. You were stealing. You were just downright bad people. Oh, I didn't say that. Look what Paul says. I got a passage. Titus. Paul says, at one time, you too were foolish. Foolish. You were disobedient. You deceived and you were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy. We like to point the finger about people who hate, but the truth of the fact is, before Jesus, we were haters. (laughs) We hated and hated one another. But in that Hate and in that malice and in that envy and in that enslavement and that disobedience and that dirty, rotten scoundrel that we were, right? God, in the kindness of our love and love of God, our Savior appeared. In the middle of that, God was kind to us. He embraced us. He accepted us as we were. And then he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, not because we're good, not because you're wonderful, not because a light bulb went off and you went through a 21 day of change and you changed your life and now things are great. No, it's because of what Jesus did through grace he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the holy spirit not because i'm good but because he's good (laughs) we were dirty rotten scoundrels but look at where you are today because of jesus listen god accepted you the way you were he had to because you weren't good enough to become anything else that he would accept he simply accepted you as you were, so that he might transform you to be who he wants you to be. There's something there that's important. Yes, God accepted you so that he could transform you. I think we even put that up if you want to write that down. God accepted you so that he could transform you. It's not the other way around. He doesn't transform you so that He can accept you. He accepts you. And when you enter into that relationship willfully, the transformation begins to happen. You want to know where and how God accepts you? Through other Jesus followers who are open to His unconditional transformational acceptance. Yeah, the church. The church exists to embrace and to accept everyone. To belong so that they might believe so that then they could become. The kind of community that embraces the kind of openness, that level of confession is probably, listen to me, Probably not going to happen on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock in here. Anyone want to volunteer to come up and tell your deepest, darkest secrets? I didn't think so. Anybody feel like standing up and telling us all your sins and failures and shortcomings and struggles and your deepest, darkest sins? Anybody want to stand up this morning and just to offer that? Sit down. No, I'm just kidding. No. This is a must-needed opportunity for us to gather as the people of God who've been out in the world, come together to worship, to praise God, to pray, to read Scripture, to hear encouragement and exhortation and challenge from the Word. But the kind of deep healing transformation that I'm talking about is probably not going to happen here on a Sunday morning. That's why I need. That's why you need. That's why we all need therapy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, that's probably true too. What we need is a life group. A small group of people. A small, honest, vulnerable loving one another group where I can tell people how I feel or even through that life group build a deeper relationship with one or two other people and truly begin to open my life and do life together. Somebody that can urge me or spur me on. Somebody that can call out my stuff. Right? Right? A life group must be a place, an environment where people like us, people with gaps between what we think we are and want to be and what we really are, help us close those gaps. A life group must be a place where everyone is accepted, accepted, and I got it, with a view to improvement. Did you hear that? It's not to just be accepted and and let you just stay the way you are, but to be accepted and embraced and loved, but also where transformation can happen. Listen, Jesus accepted you, but He doesn't want to leave you the way you are. He truly wants to heal your soul, to save your soul. He truly wants to change you from the inside out so that you can better fulfill the law of Christ and love as He loves. Gateway Church is committed to being a real church and not just a big church. And I know what you're saying, well, we're not a big church, we're a small small church. A lot of folks are not here today but this is big church because we gather and sit in rows and what I'm trying to say is rows are great, but circles are better. We must be intentional about creating space in our church and environment to create the opportunity for real to happen. Not just in here, but we must begin to do life together together. I've learned this in my 40-some years in the church, growing up in a pastor's home, being a pastor for a very long time. We cannot program and we cannot force transparency. We can be busy as all get out. We can fill the calendar with this event and that event and this social thing and that social thing and this Bible study and that Bible study and this night and that night. And we can just fill our calendar and look like a really, truly busy church. And everyone feels like, oh, wow, we're doing so much. Isn't that great? And nobody is getting close and deep and real with anybody. We cannot program authenticity. All that we can do as a church is set the table and invite you to the table to begin to partake in what we call life groups. A life group is a small circle of real people, real friends, experiencing real change. 10 to 12 people, two to four times a month, having discussions, reading the Bible, praying together, having food, playing games, laughing, checking in on one another during the week. Men's groups, women's groups, married groups, singles groups, 10 to 12 people doing life together because we are truly better together. 10 to 12 people on mission together praying for those far from God and finding ways to be a gateway to help their friends and their coworkers and their family find God because God's looking for them and the best way that God finds them is through you the imaginary you does not have time for this and I know it I mean I'm the pastor and I feel sometimes like I don't have time for this but the real you is dying for it the real you the lonely you the lost you the confused you the regretful you the guilty you that I can't become what I want. And so you just keep pretending. That real you is dying for a community of small group circle community where you can just be you. Where you can be transformed. Your marriage may be dying for the lack of it. Everybody thinks your life is wrinkle-free, but the truth is you need an iron. Everybody thinks that you have friends, but the truth is you just know a bunch of people. We want to be known for something, but what we really need is to be known by someone. You can never become who you want to be until you're willing to jump in. We show up on Sunday, but we're inviting you to come to the table, to jump into what it means to be in small community groups, life groups. To get real with a small community of believers and to do life together. The culture says for you to protect your image. Fake it till you make it. But Jesus says you need to drop the pretense and let him do the work that he needs to do in you how through the one another's around you your friends and your family and people around you the church that's real church that's what it means to be real as a church is for us to love one another grow together That's what God wants to do in all of us. So my challenge to you is this. I have this week planning to send out to every single person a simple questionnaire. And invite you and just get you to reply back to us. We'll send it out via email or maybe put some type of thing on Facebook. I'm not sure how we'll do it. We'll get the word out to you. That's why if we didn't have your information, I really want your information. But next week, you'll hear more, our last week, about life groups. Um, But this week, we're going to send something out and just get some interest. We have one group that's meeting, my group. We meet today. We're going to meet today, and uh, um, it's going to be a great day. I know it. Uh, The weather wasn't kind. We were going to go somewhere else and do that. But we also have a couple other groups that are starting to form and shape, and we're still putting together some leaders for groups We're going to send something out to you, and all I ask you to do this week is to pray about your involvement, to pray about opening your life up, to pray about seeking friends and family and people in your life that you would like to just do this once a while. Our group meets every other week, twice a month, because we're young and we're busy and we got kids and family, and we all know that life is busy. It doesn't have to be every night or every week, but at least twice a month to meet and to gather and just laugh together, get to know one another more, build relationships. Of course, we eat together and all that good stuff. But we're going to send something out to you and ask you just to be involved and look for a way for you to join a life group. I want to pray for you this morning, and then I'm going to dismiss you. We don't have a song for you at the end, so We're going to dismiss you. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, for reminding us in Scripture. All of your pastors, your first century pastors, put this emphasis on the fact that we need one another. We need to be real with someone. It's hard to be real with a lot of people, but it gets a little easier when you have just a few. And so, Father... Begin to bless and work in our lives and our hearts. Challenge each and every one of us to commit and to be all in, to jump in to life groups. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. You can stand and leave unless you